0: So he just told me 74 minutes, it's good. Uh, I can do that actually. So um, thank you for having me this morning. Do I need to stay with in front of the camera? Okay, good. Uh, Thanks for having me this morning. I love NCS. Uh, I I wish you guys were closer to rural Sussex County where I'm from uh, because I would be here every Friday. Uh, The times that I have been here over the years has been enlightening. Uh, And it's really wonderful. I've been involved in various men's ministries since the Promise Keeper days in the 1990s, which uh, all of us with white or gray hair remember, the younger guys, you don't know what that is. Uh, But uh, my story is uh, one of redemption, is one of second chances. My story uh, started in Illinois, where I went to high school And uh, I had an appointment to go to the Naval Academy, the congressional appointment, and uh, my grades weren't quite good enough for Annapolis. They said, take a year and go to a prep school. My parents didn't graduate uh, college. My dad had a GED. We're in rural Illinois. What the heck is a prep school, right? And consequently, I didn't. But one of the things that I did do was go to um, junior college. And at junior college, I had a really great record of chasing skirts. Um, And my father, after two semesters of that, went, I ain't paying for this anymore. And uh, you probably all have had kids that are in a similar circumstance where you have to stand up and say, that's not for us. So what do I do? Turns out I can sell. And I went to work selling. And uh, I was in the ladies lingerie business. You won't forget me now, right? Uh, my friend uh, Jim here knows that a lot of people call me the biggest guy in ladies underwear. All right. Yeah, you want to see? All right. So um, here's what I can tell you. 30 years in that industry because it's what I knew, not because it was what I had a passion about at all. And uh, But through those years, I was married 28 years, 25 of them were great, and then it ended. And it ended primarily because men are stupid, all right, um, and you, you will relate to this. And I love speaking to men's groups because we can talk this way, right? Men do dumb things in their lives. Well, I did, and I didn't communicate well with my wife along the way. I was an elder at my church in Lafayette. I was the the guy that could stand up in front of a room and talk to anybody. But my faith was this deep, was very shallow. And um, when the company that I worked for, and as uh, Bill said, was uh, about a $40 million division of an $80 million company had 1,500 employees all over the world. I had the dream job in the clothing industry. I traveled all over the world. I went to fashion shows in Paris with designers. I went to factories in China. Everybody would say, that's a great job, except that I had a wife in poor health, raising two tiny little kids in a McMansion that I stupidly bought in Sparta, and My faith was this deep. I was a good leader. I could stand up in front of a room and go, cool, let's talk about God. But God wasn't really talking to me. So uh, along the way, the company got bought out. Um, I tried to start my own business, had an office in the Empire State Building, in a very capital-intensive business. If you know anything about Businesses that are capital-intensive, especially international businesses, you got to pay the money before stuff gets on a boat. And then you hope you get paid 120 days later. You hope. And so that business didn't work out real well for me. And no one had ever taught me how to handle money. So I ended up losing everything. And when I mean everything, I mean sheriff at the door, McMansion is gone, right? two beautiful Denali's in the driveway, one at a time, repossessed. Kids woken up in the middle of the night because the people are knocking on the door to pick up the car. Okay? Mama loaded up the truck, moved the kids to Oklahoma where she was from. I lost everything. And Along the way, God had a different plan for me. So I was sitting in a a beater Pontiac that somebody from Lafayette Federated had donated to me. um, And sitting at one end of a parking lot, looking at the oak tree at the other end, thinking, oh, 80 miles an hour, my kids would be better off if I hit that oak tree. But God reached out and grabbed me. And I have no idea why. No idea why. And I've got, um, I've been attending a Bible study since the Promise Keeper days on Friday mornings, which is why I don't come here. And uh, a couple of guys from that Bible study came around me and went, Hey, dude, you've got a huge Rolodex. You've made presentations to presidents of major department stores. You can talk to anybody. You're great with numbers. And oh, by the way, you love people. Do this. And I went and got a job at Northwestern Mutual, got all my licenses, found out I didn't like selling whole life insurance a whole lot. And then Merrill Lynch had an opening in Sparta, New Jersey, for a guy with little gray hair and a big Rolodex. And I didn't realize, nobody told me, that you weren't supposed to pass all these tests and go through this training that had a 98% failure rate nobody told me you weren't supposed to <coughs> survive, and I did. But when I survived that, I somebody introduced me to a group called Kingdom Advisors. Kingdom Advisors is a uh, national organization started by Ron Blue and Larry Burkett many years ago, because the financial advisor is in a very intimate place with people, more intimate than sex for most people. You tell all sorts of things about your life, to your neighbor, your family. You don't talk about money. You talk to your financial advisor about it, though. So it's a very intimate place. And what a place to have a positive influence in people's lives. And through that ministry of kingdom advisors, I found that God had a plan for me. Along the way, as most men married 28 years would say, I'm not getting married again. That'd just be stupid. No way. Well, you know what? God had a different plan about that too. Bill, Jim, you know Jan. God put her in my life. Now you want something really stupid? She had four kids. right? How dumb is this? And a deadbeat ex. She was raising four kids on a teacher salary. And I'm in a brand new business, and I just started it. And God had a different plan. And God moved in our lives. He put Jan and me together. We giggle and laugh all the time. Our motto as a family is never lose your funny. You think about that. Never lose your funny, right? That's it's a great marriage, and God put us together and brought me back to a calling. So there's an organization called Halftime, some of you may know of, right? I've gone through the Halftime program, uh, not because I'm looking for another calling, but to identify that I'm in my calling. So with Kingdom Advisors, we have an opportunity in our business. And by the way, I left Merrill Lynch in 2014 because I didn't like their math and I didn't like the way they made me talk to clients. So no slight against anybody that's with Merrill Lynch. It's just that's how I felt. And God was calling me to something else. So about half of the people we work with uh, are people of faith. We serve people in 18 different states. And uh, those people of faith love the guidance. The ones that don't have faith, we work on it. One step at a time. They know who we are. We don't pull any punches. Uh, but we b- built a business from scratch in, a, in an industry with an extremely high failure rate because we had faith. We stepped forward and, I, uh, and uh, affiliated with a group of Christian financial advisors out of Birmingham, Alabama. Where? I had to get, it out, get a map out, right? But these guys have a process and a system that we work with it with our clients that I don't have to be alone and I can speak into people's lives and we don't invest in things that violate our Christian values and I've got atheists I've got Jewish clients I've got some gay couple in Fort Lauderdale right they all know who we are and they love us for standing for our faith in our business I affiliated in 2019 with C12. We were here, C12, what, a year ago? Something like that, right? And um, business as a ministry. When you think about Jesus, you think about, he didn't call priests, scribes. Who did he call? People from the marketplace. You, me. That's who he called. So through identifying what my real calling is, that I'm really good one-to-one, sitting with people and helping them identify what's important in their lives. Investments is the easy part. really is. Anybody can do investments. But doing it from a value space, identification. God has taught us this is our calling and God reached down the guy in a Pontiac in a parking lot and went I got something else for you and our business is quite successful I have no college education right somebody asked me if I've got a CFP a certified financial planner I said yes I've got two of them I hire them (laughs) all right right so um you know we we learned That God has a plan for every one of us. And when we look at um, our uh, structure of um, what Jesus called us to, to be active in the marketplace. He called fishermen. That's a businessman. Right? He called farmers. He called a tax collector. That was a business. Right? He didn't call the educated, and he used them. And we're here today because of it. So our family verse is Romans 12, 12. What's Romans 12, 12? Be joyful in hope, right? We have the hope in Christ. Why should we ever not be joyful? Somebody pisses you off, it's okay. You still should be joyful because you got Christ. And it's going to be all right we had a a major little blip in our office this week with a client who got upset about something and young man that works for me this terrific young man solid man of god and he's all upset i went why are you upset be joyful be joyful in hope second part of the verse is be patient in affliction right Trust me, I've had a lot of affliction. When I married a woman with four kids, they say, you know, another relationship brings baggage. I thought I was standing at Newark Airport and the buzzer kept going, "Ah, ah, ah," and it just kept coming, the baggage, right? You think about it, right? But God had a different plan. We've got two houses. They're both paid for. We've got a uh, a house up at Camp of the Woods. What a blessing. We were just down able to fly down to Naples, Florida and be part of the Timothy Initiative, which is planting tens of thousands of churches a year in unreached areas. I'd be glad to tell anybody about that another time. But God had the plan to put us in this position to be able to share this kind of story of his redemption, of his second chances, in spite of me being a dumbass. You know, just that simple. Man to man, where are you a dumbass? And where is Christ calling you to work beyond it? The third part, uh, what was it? Joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Oh yeah, be faithful in prayer. Be faithful in prayer. I mentor several young men have lunch with them once a month. I hear it's not about what they're doing in their job, it's about how's your wife? What are you called to as a young man? Two things. Two things as a man, right? Be faithful to God and love your wife. Be faithful to God and love your wife. I didn't do a good job of that first time around, all right? But God's given me a second chance to really do it. So I got a little... uh, Sheet. I'm probably about 20 minutes, am I? See, I'm getting good at this. Uh, sheet for each of the tables. I think I only brought six of them, so somebody might have to. But it's a little discussion about Romans 12:12, 12, 12, and you can take it from there. All right. I can read them the questions. Oh, for the people on the line, yeah. Except I need one of those pieces of paper. Yeah. Uh, so, um, this says, uh, we have daily opportunities to remind each other of these words, whether at home or at the office, they apply to life at home and life at the office. By, by the way, did I mention that my wife and I work together? Right. Full-time See, now I know I'm with a group of guys, right? Your wives are sitting here where you would've gone. Oh, that's sweet. Right. Right. So earlier in the chat. Back to Romans 12:12. 12. 12. Uh, early in the chapter, Paul appeals to the Roman Christians to not be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of their minds in order that they might discern the will of God. So if we are truly allowing God to renew our minds and wanting to, uh, wanting to know and do His will, what does that look like? How are we supposed to rejoice, be patient, and constantly pray? Here are a few questions. How is hope? defined in the Bible? And how is it related to tribulation and suffering? And why would we rejoice in it? How are we as Christians to respond to trials and tribulations? Why? What should be the result of having our faith tested? And what does it look like to be constant in prayer? What should we ask for? Will God answer that prayer and how?